the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. So welcome to this afternoon's call. We're going to talk about... Majors over minors. I can't remember what I was going to say then. Majoring in the minors, definitely not that. Majors over minors. I just think it is important. Obviously, we've got a lot of new people joining the group, a lot of people joining the plan, and it's very easy for people to be kind of overwhelmed by what's important, by what's going to deliver the biggest results. And if you've got any questions, guys, feel free to throw them in the box, and we'll get to them as we go. But yeah. I think from our perspective, we understand the, the struggles that our clients go through or the people looking for fat loss go through because there's so much information out in the world, in the dieting world, or so much misinformation, I should probably say, and confusion. And don't eat this, eat that. This is good. This is bad. You know, don't eat after six, eat before seven, like you're a bloody gremlin or something. Don't eat processed foods. You know, we get people who will, you know, you'll see it in the group again, and this is no reflection on anyone. This is, again, this is the, comes down to the confusion that people have been kind of thrown at them. Like, you know, ah, tins of tomatoes, okay. Tins of soup, should I be having this? And it's this kind of confusion that, can lead to overwhelm but which can lead to people even not even getting started because they don't know what they should be doing you know so it's that um paralysis by over analysis you know there's so much information out there and there's so much conflicting information out there now obviously i think joe's back now he's back now you're muted ah you're muted now sucker he's just told me off of being muted we've only been doing using zoom for like a year the, the confusion, again, that this paralysis by overanalysis, this this wealth of information makes people move away from the basics and people will get confused, like I said, and be like, you know, worried about having a slice of bread or a tin of um, <clears throat> soup or, you know, a pack of Walker's French fries. When really kind of like looking at the basics and just hitting the basics every single day, will yield much greater results than concentrating on, right, did I have too many grams of red onion in my frittata? Is that right, Joe? Just yeah. talking to say like the other, that it's so common to see people get paralyzed by this overwhelm of conflicting information while concentrating on the basics, that's going to yield the biggest results. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of it comes from that desire for perfection. I imagine some of it's from... Um, hangover from the body coach isn't it of you need to hit your macros you've got to to weigh your food you've got to weigh your cucumber and make sure you have enough grams of this and that and actually it's just so superfluous and it just makes people's lives so much harder and actually i think that's one of the 
the things with sustain that you see quite a lot, and obviously me and you are looking over all of the, the people who have, have recently started. And a lot of the time, the answer is, we just need to wait and see. So people will say, can I have this? Can I have that? Well, I don't know. Because I know that I can say hand on heart, I've had clients who eat food sometimes and you think there is no way in hell this person is going to lose weight and they lose four pounds. And you think, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you've got away with that. But that's great for you. You've got all the wiggle room in the world. And then you have other people who will have a couple of glasses of wine, they'll skip a couple of exercise sessions, they don't lose any weight for three weeks. And then it's a case of, okay, well, looking at the evidence now, we know we need to adjust this process. And everyone wants the answer right now. They want it to be right. What am I going to do? I do the same. Say to my rowing coach, when am I doing my next 2K test? What's this plan going to look like? How is it going to go? And then he doesn't always have an answer. And we don't always have an answer with people as well because the answer is, it depends. If you do, if I do a really basic workout and I get exponentially better, then he's not going to have to change things or he can only change things slightly. Whereas if I work at something for a month and nothing changes, then we have to adjust. And I think it's very, very hard for people to be patient because we're in a society where people have this belief that people are going to lose, they're going to lose a stone in a month or they can do that twice. And people then go, well, I've lost five pounds in my first week. It's all water. So that's not good enough. Should have been seven. And then the next week they lose a pound and that's not good enough. You know, nothing is ever good enough because it's not reaching the upper echelons of what they believe is possible. And I think that checking expectation is so key. This is something that I've done quite a bit with the, the ladies who I coach on Elite. Is that if you go into something expecting the absolute best, anything below that is then not good enough and you then aren't happy with it. Whereas if you go in with medium expectations and they're surpassed, you feel brilliant. I can think of, you know, times I've done this with my own training and my own goals and, you know, the same with sustained. When things go better than you think, it feels so good. Whereas when you have these expectations of what the minimum level of success is, they're often not reached. You know, and the thing that we hear so much is, oh, so-and-so in the group's losing this, so-and-so in the group's losing that. I said to a lady the other day, how many people in the group do you know are 45, 12 stone and five foot four? You don't know any. I don't know any. You, you, you're comparing apples to oranges. If you want to lose weight faster, you need to start fatter. Is you can lose weight at these rapid rates if you have got more to lose. If someone wants to go, if the lowest they can get to is nine stone and they're at 10, they're not going to lose weight at the same rate as someone who is 20 stone. And you've got to remember as well that we as a business are always going to push forward the results that make us look best. We'll always be transparent about this. We'll say, these are the exceptions rather than the rules. But in the same breath, we're not going to go out there and go, last week, James, you know, James lost eight pounds in a week. But just so you know, James is 22 stone because then James is going to feel like crap. And that's not going to help anybody. But we're also not going to put the things out there that say, oh, you know, James has been really struggling. He's been working really hard in his mindset, but he's not lost a pound in the last eight weeks because that's not helping anyone either. You know, we, we just need to be realistic with these pieces about where we're at how well other people are doing and what the what the realistic situation is because people just apply themselves with this pressure that then means they're losing focus of what should matter like we say they're looking at those small details thinking that it matters you might just be someone who loses half a pound a week i've got loads of clients like that they were the best they can hope for is half a pound a week so you just have to settle into that and do it you know the weight loss that you had last year was half a pound was it half a pound a week it worked out yeah, as? Half a pound a week, about 18 kilos so like 30 odd pounds which then, when you put it in that perspective, when I said, all right, I've lost this amount of weight, everyone's like, oh, that's fantastic. But like you said, when you put it in the perspective of half a pound a week, people would be like, 
well, that's slow. You know, I'd be one of those people going, I always lose weight slowly. Well, I could always increase it by making the whole process harder. And just going back to what you said, yeah, you know, we'll post, it's like so-and-so has lost 17 pounds in four weeks. But then I'll also post, this person's lost four pounds in four weeks. But obviously people are going to resonate towards that. 17, you know, if we go into like some kind of business thing, you'd be like, this person's made 150,000 pounds. This person's made 20,000. Like, well, I want to hear about the person who made 150,000 pounds, not the person who made 20,000 pounds. But obviously, like I said, it's completely different starting points, isn't it? You know, like I said, yeah, you can lose 17 pounds in four weeks if you start at 25 stone, which no one's going to trade in. I'll take the four pounds. So it's, it's putting things in perspective. But I think for me, the, you know, going back to, you know, we always kind of say fat loss is, it is simple, which doesn't make it easy. But, and again, you know, and like you said, you know, people will be like, is this okay? Is this a good day? Is this a good choice? Can I have this? Can I have that? And the answer will always be, it depends because, you know, if someone says, well, can I have, you know, 50 grams of chocolate a day? Well, it depends. It depends on all your other food choices. It depends on the day before. It depends on the day after because it's about that balance. So a lot of it is, and it's not just me and Joe just like, I don't know. It's a lot about kind of sucking it and seeing, you know, if someone has a meal that's made of white fish and uh, asparagus and you know, kind of low-carb greens, and then they have 50 grams of chocolate, that's very different to someone who has a ribeye steak and a baked potato and peas or something like, you know, the, the completely different days, completely different meals. So it's always going to be, and that's the, the joy of the daily coaching is we can help people with that. But the biggest missing ingredient I see for a lot of people and approaches and when we speak to people kind of when we're onboarding people is consistency. I am great for like two or three weeks or, you know, I'm great Monday to Friday. The biggest missing ingredient is consistency. And that's when, which we will discuss today, it comes down to just hitting those basics consistently because they're the things that will give you the biggest bang for the buck and not whether you're having, you know, brown rice or white rice or, you know, Prosecco or gin. It's, if we hit these things consistently, then we get much more wiggle room with our choices. There's more room for error. There's more room for experimentation. But until you get some kind of consistency, it's hard to judge anything, I suppose, to put it into, you know, like a business kind of perspective. If we tried something different every single week, you know, a different coaching style, different delivery method, different marketing, then we'd never know what was really, really working. So we just laugh. That's how I like. That's how I like to run the business. By the way. <laughs> so we've got to keep some consistency. So we go right. This is working. This isn't working. What's working well? What isn't? But this, you know, the, this, this, the basics, the simple things are the ones that will be your, well, no pun intended, meat and potatoes. Before we go back to the consistency piece, there's something you said there that I went to go back to when people say, "Can you eat this?" and me and you saying, "I don't know." I think actually what we'd say is, "Of course you can." You can eat whatever the hell you like. And I think that one of the key tenets of, of what we do is you're in control of your decisions and you can eat whatever you like. And that as soon as people try to give us the responsibility for their food, they're then making the process less sustainable because then it's me saying you can't eat chocolate or you can't have 10 pints or you can't have two bottles of wine and an ice cream chaser. You can do whatever you like. I'm just going to then say to you, my concern is this is not going to get you to your goals and this is a decision that isn't going to benefit you longer term. And that actually, you're going to look back on this and you're going to go, do you know what? I didn't really need that. I could have done something slightly different. And I think that it can be frustrating for people that we often have that attitude, but that's just how it is. 
you know, on Saturday, I saw my friends for the first time in ages. I had a bottle of gin, the best part of a bottle of gin. And, you know, if someone then said to me, well, you shouldn't have had that, I would then say, well, I can do what I like. And you see this a lot with clients and it gets a lot of people's backs up. If you take responsibility for their decisions and say you shouldn't do this, well, there's an exception to every rule. And ultimately, you are the only people who can decide this. You're the only people who can say that was the right call or the wrong call at that moment in time for my goals. And I think that's very important because then you start to build that skill of assessing your decisions. People are very quick to say, well, I, you know, I don't want to beat myself up. I'm just going to draw a line under it. Or, you know, the positive is I could have drunk more. I could have eaten more. And we just have to always take the emotions out of this and learn lessons from it. I think one of the, I'm reading a book at the moment on a growth mindset. So by the lady who created the phrase was Dr. Carol Dweck. And she was saying that people look at situations and they will either, so they did a study with people where they got a certain test score and they could say to them, you can either look at the people who scored lower than you, or you can look at the people that scored higher than you. And the people with the growth mindset looked at the people who scored higher than them to see what they were doing so they could do better. Other people looked at the people who did worse than them so they could then feel better about what had gone on. And I think this is something you see a lot with food decisions is people go, I don't want to look at how I could have done better because then I'll just feel bad about it. Or this is worse than it could have been, so therefore I've done well. So it's all these things about trying to feel good or not feeling bad. And actually, we just need to take all of that away from it and just go, was this the right decision in the moment? If it wasn't, how could I do it better? So last year at Easter, um, I've been going through for a couple of years of me trying to moderate chocolate. Easter, it all went to hell in a handbasket. And it could have, it could have been worse. I could have had 10 pints of lager. It could have been better and I could have viewed myself as a failure and it hadn't worked and I wasn't able to do this. I just scrapped all of that off and said, right, how would I, how should I have handled this? Well, what I should have done is I should have bought 300 grams of chocolate, then skipped three meals. I should have eaten my meals and then I should have shopped more effectively. I should have bought less chocolate. I should have made it easier for me to stay on plan. So that's what I did this year. You know, then I don't, then I'm not kidding myself that I've done really well. And actually, it could have been worse because that's what it is. It's kidding myself. That was probably the most high calorie day I had all year last year. You need to kind of front up this stuff when it doesn't work. I didn't beat myself up about it. I didn't spend 364 days feeling crap because I'd overeaten chocolate. It's just one day. It just doesn't matter. And I feel like I rambled. James has got a bit of one of those looks at saying you ramble. So, <laughs> when is it my turn to talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, even I've glazed over. No, <laughs> joking. But yeah, that's it. I mean, I think the, the entire aim uh, for us as coaches, us as a company, is not to make people perfect, it's not to make people little sustained clones where you go, you know, lecturing people in the bloody canteen. You shouldn't be eating that. Oh, diet coke. Do you know about sweeteners? Yeah, do thanks. Get lost. Um, it's to make sure that you are completely comfortable and happy with the choices that you make, whether that is drinking a bottle of gin in a marquee you know, <laughs> like Joe, whether it is, you know, eating a full Easter egg, it's Easter, that's all right. You know, there's a massive difference between you going, um, you know what, I've not had chocolate for a long time. It's Easter, I'm going to eat this Easter egg on Easter Sunday, maybe a bit over an Easter Monday, and then I'm done. That's it, totally happy with that. Compared to, I didn't want to eat any chocolate and ended up eating one of the kids' Easter eggs. That's something that we need to address. That's something that we need to look at and figure out why we did it and what we can do to prevent that from happening ever, ever again, because you regret it. But if you make a conscious choice to go, I'm going to eat an Easter egg, good for you. You're an adult. Stop eating Easter eggs. No, you're an adult. You can eat whatever you want. 
And this kind of goes into Katie's just popped a question and said, uh, if I'd like to have a gin and tonic one night over the weekend, would you recommend just keeping everything the same in terms of meal, snacks, habits, or reducing what I'm eating during the day? Just being realistic, a gin and slimline tonic, it's like 100 calories. It's not going to make a dent. You know, if you had a sip of that each day for the week, you know, you're adding like 17 calories to your day. It's just insignificant. So just have it. And this is one of those kind of suck it to see things. Like I'd rather people got away with as much as they can and see but it's you know it's super sensible isn't it it's not like you're going can i have a bottle of wine tonight then we like right well we need to struggle with that but yeah just go for it again and if that's something that keeps you happy and keeps you you know kind of consistent go for it it's a well worth investment of 100 calories for me yeah it's it's just phrasing those things that the right way for us as coaches isn't it? it's like you can do whatever you like let's just wait and see what happens but it's the same as one and a half bananas 150 calories so i would never see a food diet with one and a half bananas and go, I cannot believe you had so many calories there. What a waste. Is it's just not look at what made you look at what made you come to this process. What what made yeah what made you gain fat? And, and it's and it's never one G and T. And this is the thing that I always come back to is when I start to go into that panic mode of, oh I wonder how many calories are in these olives. I've never gained weight on olives in my entire life. I've always done it when I've under eaten my meals and then eat more chocolate than I should have done, or I've not planned my food, I've had takeaways. It's exclusively come down to that. It's never when I've not, you know, when I've been, when I've moved my rice up 20 grams, or, you know, I'm having a bit more chicken breast. It's never those things. And yet, you know, for some people, we do need to go into that level of detail. But I can tell you, hand on heart, the number of people I've worked with that falls into that bracket is less than five. And I reckon in the last five years, I've probably worked with nearly 10,000 people. God knows how many food diaries I've seen. But the number of, times that you see people overeat high calorie food and they've had three good meals and two good snacks it's almost never if people put the nutritious food in first they do not go for these higher calorie pieces i had a, a ropey day yesterday i was in a bit of a mood yesterday uh, ended up going for a dog walk with my missus in the evening she asked me a couple of questions and i said look i love you loads but I really just to clarify joe does have a dog my missus uh my missus isn't james either uh, and i just said to her look i don't really want to talk at the moment that's that's how much of a mood i was in james is i didn't want to talk for the first time last years and it's just that thing of we'd eaten before we went out and because i'd eaten it just settled so many of those issues that could exacerbate it down is if i had an empty stomach if i'd had low blood sugar i'd have been in tesco clearing the shelves but because I prioritized those food pieces, it then meant that those issues that exacerbate emotional stress weren't there. And it made it so much easier for me to handle it. So, you know, so often you see people struggling with cravings and chocolate, whatever it may be. And you look at their food and go, no wonder you're struggling with this. Look at your food. You just haven't eaten enough. You haven't had any nutritious snacks. You've had meals that have got either no carbs or no veg in. You know, it really is. You can make these things so much easier with such simple tweaks. And it's just about kind of dialing that back in and, and working on things progressively. If you take on too many things at once, it's too much to manage. It's the, um, there's a book called The One Thing. I can't think who it's by. I've not read it. I just know the premise behind it. That if you take on one habit, you've got a 70% chance of success. If you take on two, down at like 30. If you take on more than three or more, it's less than five. And this is what you see, people saying, well, I'm going to increase my veg, I'm going to have more protein, I'm not going to eat any chocolate bars, I'm going to go for a run, I'm going to up my steps, can I have baked beans? And then there's all you know, 101 
confusing questions going on. And it's just too much. People go, I can't do it. can't do it anymore. I'm going to stop. And it's because they haven't taken a structured, progressive approach. And if you just work on one thing, right, this week, I'm just going to work on my food. I'll just see how that goes. And I understand that when you're doing a 28-day fat loss challenge, you want to get the most out of it as possible. But we're not doing our job if we say, right, let's lose as much as possible in that time frame. It's not very sustainable. It's not what we see work. It's just to show people a new way of, of approaching this and, and that being more relaxed, taking things progressively, being accountable works really well. Yeah, I think as well, that's why sustain works on almost like two levels where the, the food part is the, I suppose, the, the simplest bit. But like you said, you know, what happens is, you know, you get people coming in in the first week and they might drastically change their approach to food. You know, the, the breakfast, the lunches, the dinner, the snacks, the, these can massively change and you kind of, you know, get that ongoing conversation. You know, where's your typical, you know, struggle points, your obstacles? And like, oh, I have really bad sweet cravings. You know, I snack too much. I do these things. So on that first level, it's like, okay, so let's hit these basics. Let's make sure that we're getting protein at each meal. Let's make sure that we're bulking our meals out with high fiber vegetables. You know, let's snack on fruits and proteins, you know, like yogurts or, you know, whatever you like. Let's make sure we're drinking enough water. You know, all these things are going to have possibly a knock-on effect, which could completely eradicate those sweet cravings, which could eradicate those need for those snacks, which could eradicate, you know, that hunger, those binges that you normally go against simply because, you've changed your food choices. So that's kind of the first level. Then if, you know, we get that sorted, because again, like you said, you see so many people, I'm on a diet, I'm going to have a smoothie for breakfast, I'm going to have a salad for my lunch, I'm going to have soup for my dinner. Gets to seven, eight o'clock, I eat, you know, a massive bowl of cereal, I have four Kit Kats, I have six hot cross buns, because no wonder, because you're starving, you set yourself up for a fall. So by tweaking, you know, your, your meals and your snack choices, we can eat more food. We can, again, like I said, you know, almost eradicate a lot of issues that people have. And then if that doesn't fix it, then that's when the, the kind of the coaching level comes in where we can start looking at, right, why we do, do we have these habits or what can we do different? You know, what's the emotional triggers? You know, what's the belief around these food choices? So that's why it really works on that one too. But like you said, you know, if we focus first on not bulletproofing the nutrition, but getting your nutrition so that you're in a, a less likely place or you'll you have less opportunity to mess up because you're eating you know sensible nutrient dense foods that are high in volume but low in calories you're setting yourself up for a win already there because you know like you say a full, full belly is a happy belly you know you're thinking clearly you're not necessarily having any cravings etc and then we can work on the kind of the mindset issues or even like the psychological parts of your dieting that might struggle but it needs to be that one two like you said when people come straight in like well i have this issue and this you know should i have a different choice i always have something sweet on an evening or always crave something sweet what can i have that's a healthy option like hang on let's just you know try and see if it's anything to do with your breakfast your lunch or your dinner first so it is that kind of like layered layered approach that needs to be taken you see that a lot <clears throat> i spend doing my my research kind of time in Slimming World and Weight Watchers groups and just seeing what people say. And that's one thing that you do see a lot of is what what can I eat when this happens, when I'm craving? And it's it's a bit like saying, you know, my, my, my bath's emptying. What should I do? And it's just then right, pouring more water. You just need more water. Well, not if your bath's got a whacking great hole in it, then you're just not fixing the root problem. And I think that our ethos as a brand is always to to give the advice that we think is correct. And I think that 
it just, like I say, we said before, the answer just is, it depends. And I think that's the nice thing about what we do is you can then look at someone's food over the course of a week and then give a suggestion based off that is you then have adequate evidence to make a decision. And it's so hard to do that in the first few days because everyone wants the answers now. And well, if you see my food now, what's wrong with it? I don't know what you've eaten for the past four weeks. And it's very often the case, you know, at the moment we're seeing a lot of food diaries and people's food is really good because it's the start of a new process because everything's going well because you've prepped your food before the weekend because you've asked your questions. But what happens when things go wrong? What happens when things go sideways? What happened before? And there's just all these chances to learn and you just have to be willing to go back into those and to look at what happened and thought, right, what were the different things that happened around my struggles? Was I planning? What was my mindset situation? What was I thinking? You know, what were the other stresses? And it does take time to unpick these things, but there's just infinite chances to learn. And the best chance that anyone has got of, of making progress is just being willing to go into these struggles and to, and to be challenged and to, and to have a little look at what hasn't worked because it is hard, really, really hard when people say what you're doing isn't good enough because it's not. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be here. If my rowing was good enough, I wouldn't pay for a coach. But it's the fact that I need it, the fact I don't make the progress I want to on my own. I then have to spend money to go to someone else who does know, someone else who's worked with, you know, a lot of people and made them more successful than I could be. So it's just then being willing for him to look at my training and go, you're not doing this right. You've clearly never done any of this stuff. We're going to do lots of this. And it's then about your attitude. And I talked about that fixed and growth mindset. And you can see this from clients when they're asked questions and they give the detail or then you recommend something and they say, right, you said have some more protein. So I went and bought some prawns and then they eat them the next day. That speed, that turnaround, that willingness to embrace these things, the kind of people who watch these calls and listen to them, that's the kind of attitude that's going to make you more successful because you're putting time into this process because you're willing to, to reach out and learn. Whereas sometimes you'll have people and you, you know, you ask questions and they're ignored or you make suggestions. It takes them three weeks to action them. And you've just got to ask why. And because it's, because it's uncomfortable. I think there's sometimes, I think we have this less these days, but you'd almost say to people, you know, I feel like you need to have more protein and veg and you'd get the response of, well, I don't think I do. I know, you know, I know someone who's, eat, who's lost loads of weight without eating any veg. Well, that's nice, but that's <laughs> that, that's my advice, and that's the experience that I've gotten. And you know, it's worth trialing these things. And the, the more receptive your attitude can be to those things, the better. You know, me and James have got a, a business mentor who is not shy of saying what he thinks. Should we phrase it that way? And your ego always takes a bit of a kicking when he goes, "This is crap. This is even worse." And oh, that content he did the other day was pathetic. And you just <laughs> and you just have to go, okay, cool. You know, we've paid this guy for advice. I wish he was a bit kinder, but I'll do as I'm told because, you know, that's what you're there for. And I think that's the, the hard part is that it'd be very easy to listen to this and go, yeah, that's nice. I'm going to do everything times two and see how that goes. But we just have a lot of experience with this stuff and it's worth trying to put it into place. And everyone's got that tendency to work certain ways. James is joking before and saying, if we tried a new thing every week and that, but that's just how I am because don't know some of the way I'm wise I want to try new things whereas James is a bit more sensible so it's then moderating your natural tendencies and just being able to assess them and for me to go do you know what changing ad campaign every two weeks that doesn't sound very likely but when four people have said it to us I'm more likely to listen but the faster you can take those things on the faster you'll get there 
Yeah, I, I well, speaking of speed and speed and speed, but again, look at the the long run. You know, again, appreciate you know some people on the twenty eight day fat loss challenge, but it is about learning what works for you, and that is trial and error. You know, it would be very easy for us to go twenty eight day fat loss challenge. Yeah, everyone's on fourteen hundred calories. Do ten thousand steps. Do these workouts. Everyone's going to lose weight. Fantastic. But there's no longevity to that. And that's why we do the one-to-one coaching. It's not just as simple as here's a, a meal plan. It's right. Let's find what works for you because everyone on this call now, or everyone listening to this will have different starting points, different abilities, different obstacles. They'll need different solutions. You know, there's going to be common ground across everyone, you know, lots of people will be all or nothing. Lots of people struggle with weekends. Lots of people struggle with emotional eating. But everyone needs something slightly different, you know, a slightly different piece of advice, a slightly different, yeah, way of approaching something. Um, so it's about learning what works for you. And again, you know, looking at longevity in your approach. Again, we've never been like a quick fix diet plan. We're about learning new skills and new abilities and new coping mechanisms so that you have that longevity. Again, it's not just like, right, you're going to eat like this for 28 days or you're going to eat like this for 90 days or whatever it is. It's like, we want you to be able to eat like this and have this mindset and have this skill set for the rest of your life. Terrible business model. But we want you to be free of dieting. We don't want you to go getting stressed out and thinking, oh, I can't eat this and I can't eat that. I want you to go away for a weekend and go, I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want and I'm fine with that. You know, not come back and go, oh my God, I gained three pounds. Like, cool. The juice is worth the squeeze sometimes. You know, like Joe said, like going and meeting his friends for the first time in ages. Um, Easter, you know, sharing some chocolate, sharing some bacon with the kids, whatever it is, it can all be worth it. And it's it's about, like I say, upgrading that skill set, upgrading that mindset, uh, upgrading your coping mechanisms. But we only can do that by being consistent. And that's why it needs to have some longevity too. Yeah, I guess one one final point from me on that is that, you know, if people have worked this for a longer period of time or they keep coming back, is that every time it's just a chance to learn. If you've gone away and things haven't worked, you've then got a guideline to, right, well, I kept these habits going, but this didn't work. So what new skills are there that I could I can work on? What's not quite lasted here? What's the situations that threw me off? And, it you know, these things just never take us... You know, you never change as fast as you'd like. I like the 10x rule of everything you want takes 10 times longer and is 10 times harder than you think it will be. And it's, if you can accept that, it becomes much easier. And then you're let down less by your expectations. I know that when I first started the rowing stuff is I kind of did the maths and I was like, this is probably going to take me two years. That then takes a lot of that pressure off because you then know if I miss a workout, if I miss a week, it doesn't matter. So I've been realistic from the off. And if you can kind of anything that's going to reduce that stress, anything that's going to make this process more positive and more enjoyable. That's why I quite like writing a positive every day because it forces people's hands into being positive and to looking for those things to be grateful for. So that when the weigh-in doesn't go your way or when you haven't made the progress as fast as you want, is that you're used to finding the positive. You're used to finding something to be grateful for. And I think that's such an important skill to have. And that the more positive you can make this journey, just the more you'll enjoy it or the, the longer you are likely to last. Yeah. So I think for me, you know, if we say like concentrate on the majors and not minors, it's, as Joe said, it's like, what, what brought you, or what's brought you here? You know, what's brought you to 
us coaching you or you listening to a podcast or, or whatever it is, that's what we need to concentrate on. You know, again, if you struggle with weekends, if you struggle with an all enough mindset, if you struggle with emotional eating, then we need to concentrate on that and not whether or not baked beans are good or bad. I know I say that jokingly, but that is sometimes a stress for people. People are like, can I eat this? Can I eat that? Like, that's not anything that's caused you to gain weight or anyone in the history of man has gained weight from eating too many baked beans. Or, you know, couscous is a, a common one that I'll, I'll, I'll come up against. You know, if you struggle with, you know, or people say like, I struggle with carbs. What carbs? Chocolate, biscuits, crisps. Okay, so that's gin. what we need to concentrate. Yeah, gin. That's what we need to concentrate. Not just one though. Don't worry, Katie. Um, and then look at just putting some kind of consistent approach. And obviously, consistency is always going to, I say consistently, in the long run, not just like day-to-day, oh, I missed protein at breakfast one day, therefore I'm not being consistent. Again, we're looking at longevity, looking at the bigger picture. But if we can consistently be good, and again, saying that I love is, you know, you don't have to win every single vote to win an election. You just have to get the majority. So if you can be consistent, the majority of the time, you like that one, Joe? That's a new one. Where have you, who have you stolen that from? I can't remember, actually. Being a fortune cookie. <laughs> Possibly. Um, you know, if you can be consistent, the majority of the time it gives you much more wiggle room. You know, we'd say again, you know, discipline equals freedom. So the more disciplined or more consistent you are, then the more you can get away with having, you know, that pizza or that bottle of gin or whatever it is, and it's going to have less of an impact. Um, yeah, I mean, the calorie control habits, they're there for everyone. Eat more protein, eat more vegetables, drink more water, get more sleep, get stronger, be sensible. That's that's probably it, isn't it? You know, that that's dieting in a nutshell. It doesn't have to be like only eat carbs at this point, that point, only have these fats. It's just be sensible is probably the key one there. Anything to add, Joe? No, I'm all good there, mate. Like I said, once you hit those nutrition things, then it can help tidy up loads of things, cravings, hunger, all these things just from, you know, making a few very sensible choices. <laughs> Big gas. Right, guys, that's it. Thank you very much for joining us. Eat your veg, 100%. Kirsty, definitely eat your veg. <laughs> Restrain from commenting on your post the other day. Right, cheers, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll speak to you soon.